We are back. And uh, as Candy said, she's going to be getting into the nitty gritty. And I have the um, really, okay, Candy is super pragmatic, right? So practical, so amazing with all of her examples and life and dirty leg and just life and being able to relate. I am, in how God has made me, I am such an idealist. It can get me into trouble, but it can also give great descriptions because God gives me cool imaginings of the ideal, which creates a longing. So I'm going to take us on a journey of the ideal. And this is the culmination of an 11 week journey, which feels like a lifetime. We all have journeyed together to enrich our marriages, to restore the gift that we have of marriage. And this is the consummate lesson. Consummate is both an adjective and a verb. It means complete. Two other words that we will be talking about today mean wholeness and complete. This is our concluding lesson that does bring our study to wholeness. I'm gonna switch as I talk in our analogy between pronouns. I'm gonna talk about me and I and us. This is about each one of us personally, so take these pronouns as you be in this somewhat poetic language of what I'm gonna be speaking. See, we started in our first lesson and we talked about the ideal of marriage and we went to the garden. And we're gonna go back to the garden today. The first couple where we see the intent that God has for marriage. And we remember that man and woman, husband and wife were together. They were joined with a common mission. He was given a mission and she is brought to help him succeed. And they worked together. They played, they delighted in the lush, sensual experience of being in a garden. There were tastes, smells, like we walked into this place this morning and you could smell. It smelled like fresh bread, the quiche in the oven, exquisite. It made you want to taste it. That's what being in the garden is like. The very presence of God could be intoxicating. And then they had each other. <laughs> they were whole because they were together. See, man was incomplete in the beginning. And God took from him to create diversity 
so that that diversity in man and woman could be brought back together and restore a wholeness. And that's what they experienced in the garden by being together and by being together. I know it makes you want to giggle, <laughs> but, but that's wholeness. That's what the garden was and is. They had nothing to hide from one another. They were naked. They were exposed and they were comfortable. Have you ever thought about being comfortable, being fully exposed without your clothes on, without the covering? Are we ever fully comfortable just in front of a mirror alone? They were comfortable, fully exposed with one another because together they were whole. We're gonna call that shalom. We're gonna call that peace and safety and home. That is the garden. And they did this in the presence of God. They were whole and safe and open and vulnerable and protected and full of joy. Woo, I want that. And then Eve listens to the liar, the thief, and shame did enter in. Not only did they lose paradise and marital peace, their intimacy, they lost that close relating without hiding or fear of being vulnerable. All of that was lost. In the garden, they had shalom, peace, wholeness, completeness. Shalom is intimacy and fosters intimacy. That ability to go to the very depths of our soul and the thief ruins intimacy and shalom. In the middle of our Bible, we are given a song, a love song. The Song of Songs sings a sensual song inviting us to the marital ideal of delight, desire, and fulfillment. Even after the garden was lost to us, the fragrance of shalom, deepening intimacy, being known and knowing, is given to a couple through marriage. Ideally, this is a safe and secure environment, trustworthy. And this shalom is beautifully expressed through the rapturous delight of delighting in another soul, spirit, and body. The Song of Solomon gives us this picture of an escape back into the garden. It is no mistake that the analogy that the woman says is, come with me to the garden. Let us run to the garden where we can have shalom, where we can have intimacy, where we can know one another. Come with me to the garden, to the height of God's intention, where we are given in the Song of Solomon a biblical picture 
of unabashed makes us kind of want to giggle as we read it, yes? Did you dare to read the Song of Solomon aloud? <laughs> it just makes you want to go, wow, this is unbelievable. It is an ideal. And it is an unabashed, fully entered into, passionate relationship. In this poetry, we are painted a picture. We are sung a song that is utterly breathtaking. And I want to experience it. You do too. Yet because it's an ideal, it may feel utterly unattainable. Yet from what we know about our creator, the lover of our soul, our good and faithful and incomparable God, he would not give us this picture and create a longing within us without providing the ability to attain it. So how do we go from disillusionment to desire? How is it even possible? Oh, all things are possible through him who gives me strength. Even a restored, passionate experience that is safe in my vulnerability, in my marriage. He, God, gives us everything we need for life and everything we have learned through these weeks leads up to this. So take heart, dear ones. You are the beloved. One of the realities in the Song of Solomon in chapter two, verse 15, <clears throat> we hear the refrain, catch all the foxes those little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of our love, the garden of our love, before they have even married. They're aware that trouble is already coming to steal, kill, and destroy the deepening of their relationship, which is blooming, and the foxes are going to steal it. No. So they have to work. And that's where the Song of Solomon becomes very practical. It is realistic that conflict occurs, misunderstandings threaten to destroy intimacy, shalom, which is God's ideal for us. So in wisdom, this couple recognizes the pitfalls as or before they're coming on, and they call for wisdom to protect their relationship. That is wisdom and part of the purposed, planned, ideal relationship. Realizing conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional. Wisdom sets out preventative measures to enable reconciliation and restoration in the midst of trouble. We are diverse individuals that come together into a whole. The shalom of peace, intimacy, and passion. So our hard work began when we came into this class wanting more. A holy longing for something that called to our souls, a relationship that God designed, a relationship that is full of holy desire, longing, passion, wrapped up in the security of commitment before him. So we're going to review our steps as if they're a dance. Choreographed steps for the delight of experience in our marriage. We began by memorizing three passages from Philippians. 
to focus all our thoughts on that which is praiseworthy and good and excellent regarding our spouse, our husband. Focus on the good and only allow that. That's our choice. We choose to be moved to consider our spouse, our husband as more important than ourselves because they are our completing half and we trust God in this. So we focus on the steps, the movements of the stole, and we change our mindset, trusting God with our heart. These basic movements have settled our heart and our emotions to begin to hope and learn to expect God to do what only he can do as I follow God's lead and relax into his guidance. See, I'm going to lean into God's guiding arm as we dance, allowing wisdom, which is Christ, to whom I am united to build my house. Wisdom builds the house and furnishes it, which is our taste of the garden. And it's furnished with good, not harm. So just as wisdom would build our house, our engaged dance with God, I'm engaging in the dance with God in this life. My engagement or lack thereof will bring harm or good. Our marriage is built by trusting God. And in trusting God, I choose to love him with all of my mind, heart, soul, and strength, which is an act of will. Learning to dance requires discipline, endurance, faithfulness, and commitment on my part. And therefore, I place myself on the dance floor, trembling to be led by the one who knows the steps and this position of attention allows me to be filled with his presence and his Holy Spirit because I spend time with him and being filled with the Holy Spirit is the only way to obey God. And I obey God as I respect my husband. Respecting our husbands means to remember to notice him to regard him, to honor him, to prefer him, to venerate and esteem him, to defer to him, to praise him, to love and admire him exceedingly. These fragrant offerings, like the fruit of a garden, these fragrant offerings of respect will nurture my husband's vulnerable places and tenderly allow his heart, his, it allows space for his ability to be safe and intimate in a soulish way. My respect as an offering begins to grow and thrive his ability to be intimate with his soul and me. All of this respect is communicated with our pleasant, uplifting, and winsome speech. So the fragrance and lush language of respect find its fullness in our behavior, which is a graceful acting out of love through our attitudes, our attitude of believing all things hoping all things, 
being patient and kind, loving our nearest neighbor, our husband, our beloved, regardless of his response. For we are now in that third stage of marriage. See, the first stage of marriage is the honeymoon. Woohoo, it's great, nothing could be ever wrong. Da, da, da. Then you get disillusioned, second stage. What did I get myself into? Who is this person I married? And our third stage is obedience before the God and creator of our heart, the lover of our soul. And in obedience, we love. And in obedience, we remember the garden and we long for the restoration of all things, which will happen. And we get a taste of that in our marriage and it comes through the hard work of obedience. In obedience, I remember I am first God's and I choose to trust God's heart, God's plan, and grow my hope in expecting God to follow through with his promise. My job is to follow God's lead in all of my thoughts, my behavior, my attitude, and my speech. I will put my mind and my effort into doing my part and trusting him to move in the heart and soul and mind of my half that completes me. Therefore, I can submit. I can voluntarily cooperate with my husband when I don't always agree because I know he bears the responsibility before God and ultimately I choose to trust God in increasing measure for God will work out everything for his glory and our good. Trusting God in ever increasing measure will lead me to an exhilarating dance because I don't know the turns, the dance, the dance, the spins, the dips. I just experience the delight of being led, which allows me in that dance to be relaxed, content, not anxious because I am praying and trusting about all things, which results in this transcendent experience of contentment. And I can delight in being the beloved. So from this content heart, this experience of being the beloved, we have a presence that ushers others into the very presence of God in safety, in protected peace, shalom. A contented heart does not need to control, for we are following the lead of our dance partner in complete trust. Contentment is trust in his control, his movement in my life, and his movement in the life of my lover my husband. Contentment is transformational, allowing room for God to surprise and delight me. It gives a freedom to my husband to experience the leading of God's Holy Spirit in his life anew. That delightful, surprising freedom and spontaneity, a place of shalom, a heart at rest, which is winsome and inviting. 
contentment, winsomeness. That is alluring. That is captivating. That is something that catches the eye and makes the breath catch. And it points others to God through our words, actions, and our utterly captivating beauty. We enter into being completely beloved, desirable, and desired. The end result, we can enter fully into fully enjoying with complete delight our husband who is a beautiful, perfect gift from God. We can then desire because we see our husband's God-given qualities that our extravagant God is deepening and enlarging. We choose to love and experience being loved. The song of songs, it lyrically blends the holy commitment and the holy desire. Marital love's commitment, which results in sensual, ecstatic desire and longing, an exquisite ecstasy of passionate love-making, which is shalom, a return to the garden. In your packet, there is a worksheet. The worksheet is not quite as poetic in terms, total same principles. It describes a balanced triangle. I'm going to talk about a three-legged stool because we don't want to talk about a love triangle. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about a love stool. And we are going to use our fabulous, uh, yeah, dripping sarcasm, fabulous tripod. On your sheet, there are three sides, passion, intimacy, and the foundation, commitment. I've described each one of those. Passion is that expression of longing, desire, and need. Intimacy. In your notes, it says, into me, see? <laughs> Intimacy is that deepening of our soul. It's the being understood and understanding. It's the connection of our spirit and soul. It is the comfort in another's presence. Intimacy grows over time and deepens and finds its fullest expression in the arms of our lover. Commitment is obedience to God, deeply rooted in a growing trust in God's faithful goodness. Commitment is an act of will that we make together to be whole with our husbands and secure that that relationship is not going anywhere before God. 
Now, having one or two of the legs really does what? It like goes, woo, this is not gonna work, right? Two legs, it's like, whoa, whoa. It's like one of those silly horses or I don't know, right? It's just, it's just gonna fall over. Having two stools, two legs of the stool or the awful tripod will ultimately be a disaster. Here's some examples. Passionate love wobbles and stumbles with desire and prematurely awakened love or desire which masquerades as intimacy. Passionate love stumbles and wobbles with desire and prematurely awakened love that masquerades as intimacy. And it leads to sexual disaster, heart, and sexual harm. Foolish love combusts on the two legs of passion and commitment because it doesn't dive into the uniqueness of each individual's glorious depths, which is what we find in intimacy, and that's lost. So this type of love can become abusive, causing great harm. Finally, there's companionable love. I would call this committed love. Carries the dead weight of duty, denying desire, killing desire. It expresses commitment through being roommates. It is a commitment to the institution of marriage devoid of any of the joy. Each of these three types of incomplete love do not hold any weight on its tripod or its three-legged stool. They're a broken three-legged stool just teetering, about to collapse. The intention of our good and gracious God is a balanced love with all three, passion, intimacy, and commitment, a desire, a longing, a deep dive into the other with the protection of obedience to restore and reconcile, to keep on dancing until we get the steps right and having fun along the way. This is consummate love, complete, whole, which is holy, and it is restored shalom. It is the garden remembered and anticipated. Our marriages began when we fell in love. We fell in love with the tender, vulnerable heart of our man because he saw into us and we saw into him. In our class, we have learned rudimentary steps in this marriage dance so that we can nurture him back to flourish in his creativity and romance because we have returned or become the safest place for our dear husband's heart.
and soul. It is our desire to be that safe place for him to share his vulnerability, his sexuality, his heart, his dreams, his hopes, his disappointments. Our feminine hearts nurture and can nurture safety when we are thinking about his interests because we are filled with the Spirit and moved by God. We are called to this life, and it cannot be lived unless it is an empowered life, filled with the Spirit and moved by God. We are called to this empowered life for our best and for our husband's best. So we bring out the best in those around us. We don't yet know who our husbands will become. So let us watch and nurture and protect and cultivate safety, intimacy. That is holy ground, shalom, security, safety, peace, acceptance, the ability to be loved unconditionally by God, which is how we are to love our husbands respecting them in our speech, loving them, affirming and esteeming them through our attitudes and actions, then we can enter into meeting their physical needs, which actually grows our own desire and delight. Shalom, intimacy, the ability to be naked and unashamed, to be made whole. That is God's intention for marriage. And the enemy is out to rip it away. But we have tools. That is God's intention. Thank you. And Candy will give us the nitty gritty. <laughs>